Today, we have the celebrity chef, Serena Poon. But I don't even feel like I'm doing it justice by calling her a celebrity chef because the truth is, is she does so, so much more than cook, right? And she has a company and her, her method and her philosophy, and I love the name of this, is Culinary Alchemy because she believes in functional and spiritual nutrition, which is a different uh, technique or method or terminology that a lot of people and a lot of chefs and a lot of nutrition coaches and people like that don't typically use. So as you can imagine, this conversation is going to steer completely right from where you would typically think of. We're not going to talk about recipes and things like that. And this is a great example of what the tailored life is about. This podcast is much more than just training and nutrition. We take training and nutrition and we go beyond that to help you create your best self and, and find your true potential. So today we dive into mindfulness. We dive into mindset. We dive into the struggles she has overcame uh, and became a learner, not a loser, which I talk a lot about on this podcast. We talk about how to practice gratitude and use it as fuel. We talk about getting over uh, imposter syndrome. We talk about mindfulness and meditation and prayer and I mean, we go so deep into the mindset side of things, but we connect food and, tr and nutrition and health and really kind of bring it full circle so it's all in unison. Uh, so you can, again, create your best self and find success and happiness in every area of life. And you're gonna love this podcast. I'm super excited about it. Uh, I didn't know much about the guests before having her on and the conversation was so natural and so fluent. We were having a great conversation before I even hit record. I was like, I gotta get this recording because this is amazing content. Um, you're really, really gonna love this. You might have to play it back. I highly recommend you go check out her content. Uh, her, her energy is contagious um, and this is amazing. So you can find her on Instagram at Chef Serena Poon. Uh, you can find me at Cody McBroom. Make sure that you take a screenshot of this episode. You post it on your Instagram story and you tag us both because we want to thank you for listening and we want to share it on our end too. So without any further ado, let's get into the person who is much more than just a celebrity chef, even though that is a very high alkaline and very, very appreciable title, Serena Poon. You know, like we were saying before, the first thing I said to you is I'm, I'm really excited about this because I think you take a different approach. Um, you're actually the second, I would consider, uh, I don't know if you like this term, but celebrity chef, just because you have, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of really cool people um, mm -hmm. that have done so much more than just cook. So I've had a, he calls himself a performance chef on, um, and he has a really cool story about people he's worked with and what he's done. He has a history in the strength and conditioning world. Um, and as I started digging through your content and your history and your products, it was just like, wow, you have such a cool background, such a great level of expertise and education behind you that allows you to do so much more than just work with food, right? And that's why yeah. I'm so excited because I think we talk about food for health and food for body composition changes all the time, but I think you're going to be able to take it to the next level and kind of give us a different perspective that the audience is really, really going to benefit from. Um, but before I dive into the plethora of questions I have for you, uh, <laughs> tell us who Serena is in a nutshell. Uh, well, thank you again so much, truly, for having me here. Just our few minutes of chatting before, I've just really enjoyed it. And so I'm really grateful uh, to share this space with you. Uh, so I'm Serena Poon. I'm based in Santa Monica, California, and I'm you know, a celebrity chef, nutritionist, Reiki master. Uh, but what I, what I really do is I, what I love is I really love helping people optimize their healing and their health. And that's really through a combination of that education behind food and then integrative and functional nutrition along with spiritual nutrition. So combining that, that intuitive and that healing energy that I use with Reiki that I actually 
teach, you know, when I'm working with people and I'm working with clients. So that's really what I feel has kind of been that perfect trifecta to, to bring together whole mind, body, soul healing. And so that's my private practice, Culinary Alchemy, uh, where I work one-on-one with people. And then I have my lifestyle brand, which is Serena Loves, and we have all kinds of products on there. And that's much more in that spiritual ethereal space. I have crystals and candles. You can probably see some there. And um, it's so, it's such a, a huge part of me and my belief and also the energy that I put out. Everything is reiki as if I'm preparing food, it's probably been reiki for you. Uh, and then I also have Just Add Water, which is like a sister brand, so to speak. And that is just, uh, that's, that's powdered superfood blends that are all organic and natural and they're all plant-based vegan. And, uh, and we have several, well, we have our hero product, but we have several products that are actually coming out there as well. And that's Just Add Water. So I have these couple, I have these different companies. And then of course I do a lot of uh, speaking, um, you know, motivational speaking, coaching type work. And I feel like that's already sort of built into my, it started in my practice with, with clients, of course, I'm sure, I'm sure you can probably relate to that. That's just like part of it. Um, but that's kind of branched out more. So I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of speaking engagements as well. And I have uh, my podcast and uh, we need to have you on or we, we should do a live. Cause that's sort of what I normally do is I, yeah. I do live actually several times a week. Um, I try to, I try to cap them at three, but sometimes it goes to five. Um, but I do lives and that, and those lives, um, we end up repurposing them or we do the replays on YouTube and, and, and the podcast and, and Facebook, and we kind of put it everywhere so that people have access to that information. But I interview a lot of people as thought leaders, visionaries who are in the health and wellness space, but also in the entrepreneurial space and um, in that motivational speaking space as well. I've had everyone from, you know, think of a doctor that we all know and love, everyone from, you know, Dr. Gondry to Dr. Um, to Dr. Lipman and Dr. Khan and um, actually so my Dr. Cole to, you know, Dave, is, Dave Asprey's coming on and I've had Evan Carmichael and Jamie Carlina Lima. So really kind of across the spectrum at this point because that's, the reflection of where my brand has has kind of uh, expanded into. So, so that's me. That's what I do. I love it. Yeah, and and you you mentioned energy briefly, but it's it's. I always believe that like energy, your energy is very contagious. So, what you end up surrounding yourself with is kind of a choice and a reflection of how you act and how you present yourself and how you come off. And um, your energy is that way. It's, it's so powerful. Wow, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The conversation is just so easy to pick up with. And, it, you know, just the simple fact that you mentioned all the free ways you deliver content, which mm. I can relate to because we put out free stuff on every platform yeah. as, as possible because we believe in giving value before anything. Mm. Um, so I love that. And everybody listening, definitely go check her out. She has a ton of great content. Um, um, just on Instagram alone, but it spreads out into other platforms. Um, but I, I want to kind of pick apart each of those things real briefly. So the first one is your private practice. Um, yeah. I'm very interested in this because, you know, I think you probably have a hard time with this too. If somebody said, well, what do you, what do you do? Like, what is your coach? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's this and this and this, and mm -hmm. I can relate to that, but I am curious, you know, who is the typical, typical person you're working with on that private front and mm -hmm. 
what is the goal? Like, what are, what are you approaching? Like, how are you approaching? Like, what is the, if you can kind of put it in a nutshell, I know it really is dependent on the person, but yeah. I would love to just get an insight into what that looks like. Sure. That's uh, a great question. And um, I can sort of break down what I do. It might be a, a, a better way, a, a more clear way to answer that question. Uh, my practice has been based on referrals. You know, I've been referral only since kind of the beginning. I mean, if you can meet me one-on-one -on -one as well, but um, really that's kind of how I've built my clientele. So, so I don't exactly have an avatar, you know, for, for my private practice. It's just really who comes from me through someone that has worked with me or is currently working with me. So um, oftentimes when people ask me how I built a, cele a celebrity clientele, it was, that's kind of how it happened, you know, they're friends. So, you know, one lends to another and when they have a good experience and, um, and see results, that's just, it's no different than you and I. Uh, so the way I work with people, let's say someone came to me to do, you know, a, a more comprehensive consultation, you know, the first thing I usually sit down and have a little chat with someone just sort of to like take, I'm actually reading them a little bit, just sort of like taking in who they are, um, their energy, getting some insight into what their goals are, what it is that they want, what it is that they think they want. Um, and then I do a series of recommendations in terms of labs. So there's, and it's none, none of the typical labs that, you know, maybe a traditional doctor would have you run. It's much beyond like a CBC differentials, much beyond that. Things, labs that I've been having clients do for quite some time now, but what's amazing is that between companies like Parsley Health and Everlywell and, you know, Nexus and all these different companies have been popping up over the last few years, uh, and even my volume for gut health, that people can now they have access to at least half the labs that I've been running for many years that you really had to go and ask your doctor, beg your doctor, you know, to run because it was sort of outside the norm, or you had to find a functional doctor or a naturopath or something to run these type of tests. So I usually have them run, uh, you know, some inflammation markers, food sensitivity type of tests, um, really understanding your cardiometabolic, your micronutrients. Um, I, have, I have people do adrenals because I really believe that your adrenals and your gut kind of rule your life. You know, this is sort of the core of everything. So I have those type of labs run. Um, I, I request them for my clients. And then we do a pretty in-depth intake, which lots of questions, many pages, but it gives me an insight into like who you, who your Ayurvedic body is, like what your Ayurvedic body is, what your Chinese um, medicine constitution is, and you know, what your energetic body is also telling me. So, so we do that. And then for the people that are open to it, I do, I do about 30 minutes of Reiki and, you know, pre-COVID we're doing some of it in person. Some people are in other countries. And so clearly it's over Zoom and that's distal. Um, but in, and over, over all of last year was all distal. And it's interesting because people have really received the energy distally because I think people don't think that they can and they think they need to have the touch or to have that in-person experience. And once they were able to receive it distally, it's become so convenient that a lot of people continue to do the distal sessions with me. But that's kind of part of that first comprehensive consults so that I can tune into your energy centers. Because in my practice, what we're doing is we're using food as a tool. 
you know, so food supports our physical body, it nourishes and supports our organ systems, right? But it also can be used to nourish and support your energy centers. So your chakras, for example, and I'm not sure how familiar your audience is with what a chakra is, but just to kind of make it really simple. For, so we have more than just seven chakras. We just kind of stick to those seven. If, if you're someone that is studying spirituality and you're kind of diving into that practice, then you know, you know, our aura can extend multiple dimensions and, you know, there's more than just seven chakras, but to keep it simple for people and have them have it relatable, we kind of focus on the seven different major chakras and they correlate with the basically the colors of the rainbow. And that they run throughout our body from the base of our spine to the crown of our head. And it's where energy flows in and out. And so, um, and, and we, and it's chakra, it's, uh, uh, which is Sanskrit for wheel. It's, um, you know, people also refer to that as chi and prana, like the energy that flows out. There's different names and in different cultures, but those energy centers, as they run along up and down through our body, they actually correspond with our organ systems. You know, we just, we just don't even realize that it does. So when you're eating in alignment, with your energy centers and you're also eating alignment with your organ system, you've just got like this beautiful, um, this feedback loop, you know, between your, your spiritual body and also your physical body. So that's what I do. That's how I get to the goal that my clients are looking for. So their goals can be losing weight, gaining weight. Let's say there's someone who's in front of the camera and they have to morph into a different person in three months. So we may, we may do that, but along the way, I'm also supporting them. So let's take an actor and actress, for example, right? We watch them off camera. We watch them on the red carpet as themselves and we watch them on screen as someone else. But just imagine that you are someone else for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day and you have to be fully that person. Otherwise, you're not good at what you do. And then you go home and then now you're a mom or a dad or you're the real you and you have to be fully the real you as well. So there's a lot of, um, there's, and that's something that a lot of people don't realize about that particular industry. And so there's a lot of support um, that comes beyond just what you see sort of front facing that can be done energetically and also through food because food is already what we put into our bodies. So that's why I like to use food and supplements as that tool. Um, but some people, a lot of people come to me because they have uh, maybe, maybe a, a, I don't want to say a disease necessarily, but they have, they have a challenge in their health that they haven't yet uh, resolved and they've maybe gone to other people and didn't have success or they had success, but it kept coming back. Um, or people come to me for pre-op and post-op sort of optimization because there's so much that our traditional doctors and surgeons don't equip us with that can really allow our bodies to heal faster, heal better, um, and have really long-term results. So, you know, whether or not people are coming to me because they're having elective surgery or necessary surgery, for our bodies, it's still trauma. You know, for our bodies, it's still so much to have to undergo and the way our cells function. And then at the same time, the way our energetic body receives that, that trauma um, is processed differently from person to person. And so 
And so, you know, that's why there's no real avatar because we are all different. We go through different journeys. We have different histories. And if you are someone that's, you know, into spirituality, then you know that there's a lineage within our, within our path and our journey that extends, you know, beyond us in this life and then, and, and in the future. And so all of that can show up in our spiritual body, but it also can show up in our physical body. That's why the power of our thoughts, you know, you, you talk so much about mindset, right? Um, that's why the power of our thoughts is, 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 um, is really like everything, you know, because that your mind and your thoughts can, can decide whether or not you, you heal or you don't. Right. And, um, and so if you're taking in kind of that lineage of things that may have happened prior to you, that can actually be embedded in, you know, the memory of your, of your, of your cellular data, you know, and, and of your spiritual body as well. So I don't, I'm like, I feel like I'm going kind of off into multiple tangents. I'll just stop right there. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I, I, I often, I didn't tell you this, but I often tell guests, like, if you feel a rant coming on, just go with it. Because usually that actually ends up providing so much good context. And um, I love that. And I'm, I'm huge on affirmations for this exact reason. I do. Yeah. There's a, a lot of power in how you talk to yourself and how mm-hmm. you even speak things out publicly. Um, mm-hmm. I've often said things to people that I'm wanting to achieve or goals I want to set or, or actions I want to take and the person I want to become, because I know if I say it out loud, it becomes more and more real and eventually it just happens, you know? So, Mm um, it's really cool actually listening to you because there's so many things I align with. And and although I work much more primarily in the body composition realm, that's what Mm -hmm. people hire me for. Um, I've told people when they ask like, well, what do, you, what do you do for coaching? And it's like, I help people, I optimize people to help them find their greatest self because yeah. in order to do the one thing I'm focused on, I got to focus on all these other things because they're so mm-hmm. interconnected. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, uh, it's something I'm not 100% familiar with. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of listeners that won't be, but you've said Reiki a couple of times in your Reiki. Oh, yeah. um, so can you define what Reiki is and, and what you're doing when you're, uh, you even said you Reiki food and then you're Reiki with people like, explain that a little bit to us yeah so reiki is 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 a you know a japanese technique where you are channeling energy say from source from the universe and you're intentionally you know it's almost like you are a channel you're a conduit right and the energy comes through you and you can direct it to a person um, a place, you know, an object, an area within a person to help move and shift that energy. So let's say someone has um, a blocked chakra, you know, the energy center is stuck or it's not spinning. And so you can use Reiki to help move that energy. Um, and you can also use it to send light and to send love. So that's the technique that I studied. But and I say this, and I and I say this with so much respect and love for all my masters, my elders, and anyone who is in the space of uh, of practicing energy, practicing or teaching energy work. And that's and that is, we're all kind of doing the same thing, you know. I mean, whether or not you are practicing Reiki or it's quantum, which I've also been trained in quantum healing, or panic or you know there's so many type there's so many techniques and styles and and words and uh, modalities but at the end of the day everything is energy everything is energy and we are all connected by that energy 
Um, it is my belief that that energy is, is love. Um, and so because we are all connected and everything is energy, the technique in which you use to kind of send intentional energy, you can do it in different forms. You know, I, I studied Reiki, so that's my primary. I also, when I'm doing a session, when I'm working, I'm also doing pranic healing at the same time as I'm doing Reiki. And if I'm one-on-one, -on -one, I'll do quantum as well. That's sort of like my blend using all my experiences, but it's all the same. You know, you're, you're using um, or you're directing energy in an intentional way to either heal, uh, open up, clear an area. So whether or not that area is a person, it's an object, um, or it's a place, or it's a situation, you know, you're just basically directing light, you know, and love, the energy of light and love um, to that in order to, you know, make it better. So that's really what Reiki is. And it's, it's probably not what most people would say if they're a Reiki master, but I'm just being really, that's my belief. That, and it's something that we can all do. Um, if you think about the power of prayer, and meditation, you know, when we collectively can have a, and there's been some arranged over the past year or two between fires in Australia and, and, and the pandemic and all things that have happened across the globe, there have been groups that have brought hundreds of thousands to millions of people together for a moment or period of prayer, you know, to send love and to send healing and, and light to an area of the world that really needs it. You know, we're doing it for India, right? That's what Reiki is, you know, that's what all these healing modalities are. It's what all, we're just, we're sending, you know, love and light to a place, a person or thing that needs it. Um, and even if you're not a Reiki master, if you're, even if you're not an energy practitioner, if you've prayed, if you've meditated, you have that power within you and you can do the same thing. You know, if you have a friend who is in, the hospital or not well and you're and you send them love that you're doing the same thing basically the the thing that was popping in my head when when you as you were going through that was prayer and then you went and said it and i think that's mm -hmm. a, a really good example um but i really i really respect and appreciate the way you go about it i know you said like maybe it's not the from my from hearing you say that it sounds mm -hmm. like almost it's not the maybe traditional way to explain it but i think it's mm -hmm. a very practical way and i think that's mm -hmm ultimately what's most important you know we talk often about what the science shows for training yeah. and nutrition, all these things and it's like all the science is amazing and we need it but if we can't get somebody to understand it and use it consistently it's it's useless you know so I think yeah. the practicality is very big um I think I kind of I think it's obvious about this transition but I'm curious as to when this happened for you the moment you decided to be less, or, or I'm sorry, more than just a chef, right? Obviously, that's mm. the realm you went in, um, and, and you went down this culinary route, but mm. you have so much prior influence that influenced that and changed the way you did that and obviously made it unique. And now I think you do so much more. I mean, I think the first five videos I clicked on on your Instagram were mindset, productivity, yeah. um, affirmation, <laughs> like, and then I finally got to some food, you know, so I think- <laughs> things have yeah. evolved uh was there a moment where you were like i have a greater calling than just this one thing i need to expand this uh yeah you know what i think and i think with all of us you know so so often there's a there's one or two or maybe three or four moments throughout the course of our life but if you really go back it was always probably kind of there a little bit right um just just hadn't really just hadn't really popped up to the surface and for me i became a chef 
and was and and studied nutrition because of my parents. So you know, both my parents had had cancer at a very young age. Our daddy had was diagnosed when I was still in college, and I was studying nutrition. I mean, I was a poli sci major, but I studied nutrition just because I had an interest in food and came from a family of foodies and loved to eat. But when he got sick, um, it changed things. You know, we started, he was doing uh, traditional chemo radiation, but then also drinking Chinese teas, you know, and, and using these herbs. And he obviously wasn't getting better because he was diagnosed as stage four. So I started looking at um, herbs, you know, like herbs and other plants to figure out if there was something, you know, some, some supplement, something that we could give him that would, at the very least, maybe offset some of the side effects you know, and just give him a little bit more comfort, or maybe could even do more than that. So that was how I, that, that was kind of how I shifted since I had gone to Berkeley to, I was supposed to be pre-law, you know, <laughs> and so I was an attorney at first. Um, and then after our daddy passed, our mama got sick, and she also had cancer, and she was 45 at the time, so it was literally two months later. And so that pretty much put this mindset in this action in me where I was, I just, I wanted, first of all, I, I wanted everyone that I loved, you know, to be happy and healthy. Um, and, and beyond that, I wanted people to have the tools because we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't know which foods um, someone who was sick with liver cancer could have. And we didn't know what things that person could eat, you know, someone like that could eat to still enjoy their food because food is, comfort and love and it's it's a source of joy and most people who are not well and sick especially if they're in a traditional setting with western medicine allopathic, allopathic medicine it's you know they're eating bland boring foods and and it does not bring them joy and it, they're already in this place where they're they're not in the most joyous place already state right they're not in the most joyous state and then and then to make it taste really amazing and so that's what inspired me to go to culinary school you know it was it was to study the culinary arts to see how I could use food as healing, but in this beautiful way where you could maybe have a, I'm gonna put restrictive diet in quotes because I, I use restrictive in the sense that that's how it was delivered to you. Maybe a doctor said, you can't have any of this, you can have this, um, but it's still amazing, you know, and it's still healing, but it's just knowing how to combine those foods together, like how to combine it, how to prepare it, and so that was how I started my journey. And then really diving into the nutrition, of course, was all kind of part of it. Um, but then over the course of, of the years post, you know, our dad passing, moving, transitioning, and then our mom actually got better. So she's still with us. Um, I had left out caretaking of the self. So I had to put all my energy into taking care of everyone I loved to make sure no one else got sick. Um, no one else, you know, had something like that happened to them. Um, but I was, I wasn't practicing self-care and self-love. So of course, you know, over time, inflammation built up in my body, um, and I became unwell. Even though here I am, I'm the chef and the nutritionist, and I may look and seem like I am uh, a symbol of health, but internally there was so much inflammation going on. So. I eventually had to have a surgery uh, because the inflammation internally caused damage um, to some of the tissue, some tissue in my body and my chest. And so I had to go have surgery. Um, and 
immediately after that surgery, I got MRSA, which is um, MRSA, super deadly staph infection. And then that became my journey for the next eight years after that, just trying to get this MRSA out, um, out of my body because it's pretty stubborn. It's uh, resistant to most antibiotics, except for just two or three. Um, and from a holistic standpoint, like you probably already can assume what my views are about um, antibiotics and medication, if you, they're, they, they're, they're there to serve, serve a purpose um, and to use them, but never to use them lightly, but to also know that, that they can also cause um, you know, damaging side effects to our bodies that we have to mitigate. So, so after, so I had to have another surgery, obviously, to get, try and get this MRSA out. Um, and it wasn't successful and I had to have another. And after my fourth surgery, I had a massive hematoma 12 days post-op. Um, and what a hematoma is, it's bleeding, you know, and it was internal bleeding. And I ended up losing um, on, like about two liters of blood that was internal. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happened that day, those hours, that moment. Um, that I'm, I'm open to diving into, but I could, I, I kind of want to get to get to the point of your question is like, what was that moment? And so that happened. I was very fortunate. I had a client that knew the medical director at Cedars. They came and got me. They saved my life. They opened me up, patched up the tear that was causing the bleed, and then and then they're. they're there's then that's when the beginning of my personal healing journey and treating myself as I do a client or a patient began. And I, I was able to bring back, you know, my hemoglobin levels had fallen to nine, you know, and, and I, and they said it would take eight, eight and a half weeks to get it back up to a place where I could have surgery again to then repair the damage that had happened from uh, that experience. And I thought, okay, I just can't. It's another two months. And I'm just going to treat myself as I would a client. And I'm, I'm going to get there sooner. So I did. And it was very regimented about what I ate, what I, the timing, what I ate, when I did, how much, all of it. For myself, on this pretty, pretty, pretty um, you know, strict protocol. And I got myself back to like 13 um, in about five and a half weeks. And so, but during that time and even after, I wasn't able to use the upper left side of my body, you know, and at this point, I, my main practice was, a sh I was a chef, you know, my main part of my profession, my career, I'm a chef, I was catering, I was working privately in people's homes, um, catering gigs and dinners and events, that was mostly what I did. Um, and so here I am, and I can't use the upper left side of my body, and I don't know for how long. And it was definitely a very, very uh, dark, uh, point in my life and I've had more than one but that was that was one of them I'd say losing our daddy was was probably the first biggest one um the one and then this point and so there came a time and I didn't know how I was going to support myself you know I was single um, I was living by myself and just trying to work and pay these school loans and 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 do what um I thought I'd Kind of come into the place, the community to do, and I wasn't able to do it. So I was in this sort of dark space for a little while. It wasn't even a little while. It was probably a good, you know, couple months. 
and not having any idea how long it would take for me to heal and then how much movement and mobility I would have to get back to where I was before that, that, that um, incident. So I just kind of realized it was, I was in this space and you're kind of in a victim space. And, and I sort of was thinking about like, why am I here? Cause you're, you're thinking why me? And why did this happen to me so much? You're drowning out the other questions. So I had that, why did this happen? I'm a good person, you know? And it was sort of like, wait, okay, I'm forgetting the second half. I'm a good person. So if I'm a good person, why does this happen? And, and then I just started to remind myself of why I was, why I was doing this in the first place, why I was a chef in the first place, why I'd gone to culinary school. Why was I wanting to get back to my career? Why was I, was it just to pay the bills? No, it was because my purpose and my mission was, was what had birthed when my dad, you know, was sick. And it was, I am here to help serve people information. I'm here to help people live better, heal, you know, heal themselves, heal the people that they love. I'm here to help teach people who are caretakers, how they can take better care of the people that they love. And then from there themselves as well, because that was part of my learning and healing process. And that was, that was this, you know, moment where I thought, wait, no, this isn't, this isn't everything because mind you, this was like my fourth or fifth surgery at this point. And it was the question of, is this my life? Is this my life that, and, and it was like, no, this isn't, this is my life. This is what I need to be doing. So I had to refocus and reframe my mind to get back to that space um, and to figure out how is I going to serve my community? How is I going to be of service if I couldn't use I couldn't cook anymore and if I couldn't use my left arm and I realized I had all this information that I'd known and studied and I was just putting into my food and just sharing with people as I'm cooking or teaching classes on cooking and I I thought well I can do that while I'm healing and I opened up my consulting practice where I just just did the nutrition part of it no cooking no food deliveries no events no dinners it was just let me take everything that I know from how I did this part of my, my business. And I'm just gonna put into this part of my business and it just won't be hands-on, but I'm gonna teach it. Um, and here I am, I, I've, I've, I've healed myself where they thought it would take eight and a half weeks. I've done it in five and a half. There's a whole market, there's a whole community, there's a whole world of people out there that need that same information, that could use the same information that I I practice it myself that I teach, you know, I've used, I've done on a few handful of clients and they could help themselves or someone that they love or someone in their community. So that became, that was, um, that was how I shifted into, into the um, nutrition, but that's also became some coaching. And in the process of working through this dark space, I did dive more into spirituality. So, you know, before that, it, it was sort of one-offs here and there, you know, traditional therapy didn't work for me. I had some people that were healers that had been referred to me by friends. I would call them in a 911 instance, you know, which I think we often do if we're not truly uh, understanding the healing journey and the healing path, whether it's with therapy or with spirituality. And you can't just 911 those calls. You have to be committed as you would your diet or the gym, you know. So making I made a commitment to my spiritual health as I would my mental health, my physical health, my nutritional health. 
And I started speaking with this master healer that had been referred to me probably the year before. Um, just every three to four weeks. Whether I was feeling good or not feeling good, I spoke to her and I worked with her. And we did this. Uh, and after about eight months, she said, and she was, you know, she'd give me, she would do break down the reading and tell me what she saw and the improvements. And after about eight months, she said, I think you're ready, you know, and I'm like, ready for what? And she's like, I, I want you to come out to see me. Because at this point, I'd never met her. I'd only talked to her on the phone. She's like 70 year old, sweet little old lady out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I thought, why, you know, and, and she wanted to teach me, you know, she felt that she was on her path to ascension. She'd done so much work in this lifetime. And she thought that there, at any point, one day, she might just leave this world. And she wanted to have an apprentice to, um, to kind of take over her clients, should that be the case which because I was still working through self-worth issues, right? And imposter syndrome, I of course said, no way, because you're my master, I can't do what you do. But it took about four months of, you know, talking to me and convincing me. And I ended up flying out to Santa Fe and I met with her. And I stayed with her for a weekend and it was just super intense. And she just taught me everything that she did. Like every single little thing she, she did for, every type of client um, and we practiced and practiced and she just showed me her technique when, and it wasn't, there was no name or title to it. It was just what Noelle did. Um, and I came back from that weekend completely overwhelmed. And I try not to use the word overwhelmed too much because again, the power of our words, right? But I don't really, I can't think of a better way to describe how I felt at that time. I just, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and so that's what made me study Reiki, actually, because I just needed some structure. You know, I needed, I needed chapters in a workbook. <laughs> you know, I needed something to reference back just to, for the way my mind worked. And so I studied Reiki to kind of take what Noel taught me and take Reiki and, and kind of make it my own um, technique to achieve the same results for people. And, and I started to do that with myself and then also kind of taking in the energy work I was receiving from her during that time and then putting it together with what I did with food and nutrition. That was really kind of how culinary alchemy was born. So that nutritional practice, that consulting practice essentially was culinary alchemy without a name. Um, and just, and that's what I was doing. And then I did that for a good few years before someone saw the term as I was describing what I did and they saw the term of coloring alchemy because that was just how I used to describe it and it, they asked me what is that what is that what does that mean and then and then so that became that became the name of my practice but it took I don't know it took a few years of it just being in the description aspect of it but again very very long answer to your question but you know it, I felt like you needed some context to how I started that um the practice and why and it was really from that part of my journey yeah no that's beautiful and i think that there's so many i mean uh, there's a lot of ways i could take this conversation um mm. and, and once again there's a few things that like stood out to me that i aligned with even yeah. even the title of the brand i think that's actually how usually um and i love the name culinary alchemy and one of my favorite books i've read a million times the alchemist and mm. so when you said that it popped up in my head but um, I was giving a speech at a fitness seminar 
And I said tailored coaching method as if I was describing our company when I was answering uh, somebody in the audience's question and mm-hmm. my media was filming. And afterwards he was like, dude, and I was like, I know, write that down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to email the lawyer. And we changed the company name because we were looking to rebrand. Um, yeah. so it's very similar, but you know, going through, I mean, just so much in, in your journey, the thing that stands out to me the most um, in which I think would be the most applicable or just, just helpful for the audience mm-hmm. is how much you had to constantly shift your perspective and constantly mm-hmm. shift your mindset and constantly build willpower and mm-hmm. to get through all that and still be mm-hmm. successful. Because, you know, I, I said something on another podcast that there's, there's losers and there's learners. Mm-hmm. Learners just accept losing as part of the process, right? They accept yeah. the struggle. They accept the process of failing and understand what about that failure is going to allow them to grow next time. And you obviously, you know, you've been through the ringer, so you, you've learned quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my main question based on all that is what practical applications do you have for the audience on things that allow them to do similar things? Because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if cognitive practices would be the right mm-hmm. way, but even just like, thinking more positively or watching the words you say like a lot of people mm-hmm. be like okay like easier said than done mm-hmm. which it is but it's so hard for me to explain sometimes because I'm like I, I believe in, with so much conviction in these yeah. things that are very much just how you are your being yeah. how yeah. do you teach people to practically shift and do those things um, without having a traumatic issue being the wake-up call that forces them to sure that's a great question because you know you don't want to have to have a a serious, you know, trauma or tragedy to, to shift you into that space. Um, so there's two things. I would say there's a quote that has, is something that I go back to even today, every day, all the time, anytime I'm having a little dip in, in, in how I may be feeling about myself, because I think imposter syndrome and is something that most of us kind of have to navigate through at some point. And then there's always a situation that pops up. But there was a quote in a, in a song that I heard once, and it's, no one is you, and that is your power. And I go back to that constantly, because we live in an age of comparison, especially with social media and these platforms. And, and it's unfortunately what the, our kids are growing up in. And it's, um, it's remembering, first of all, that we exist in these human bodies our human body is the most complicated machine. It is more complicated than your phone and your computer and what we're zooming on. It is the most intricate, complicated machine and it functions and it's yours. We each have one, but yours is yours. And we just forget that we we are superpowers. You know, we're incredible healing machines. We're incredible machines. And we forget that because we wake up after sleeping, we eat, we drink, we go to the bathroom, we clean ourselves. I mean, we do these very basic things and that's kind of all our body needs us to do. You know, if you just walk 15 minutes, 30 minutes a day, maybe someone doesn't work out um, in accordance to your regimen or your protocol, but if they weren't able to do that, if they were just to get some walking in 15 or 20 minutes a day, they would probably still live a good long life. So as long as they're not eating toxic things, which we as human beings were not designed to eat in the first place, right? So we forget how incredible we are. And I think that's where mantras and affirmations are birthed from. It's just reminding ourselves of how truly powerful we are, how incredible we are. But like, but just like, just sit and just think about like, like who you are, just the fact that you exist, that you breathe, that your body functions, your heart beats. 
and not take those things for granted. So in its most simplistic you know, way, my biggest piece of advice is master gratitude. You know, and, and that takes, you don't have to buy anything. You don't even need a coach for that. It's just making it so simple that your mind and your heart and your body, you can actually physiologically integrate that into your soul. Like be grateful. And, and it's not just about, you know, going through a list of things you're grateful for. It's like really feeling into it. So something that I teach, you know, my clients, I teach the community is just, you know, I'm, you, I'm like you, I'm just free access to everything. It's just, if you do have a gratitude practice, take it one step further. If you don't yet, start at any time. But when you're going through your gratitude list, whether it's in the morning or in the evening, you know, whether or not you're writing it down or you're just reciting it in your head and you're thinking about your kids or your partner or your dog or your parents or your, that, that favorite dessert that your, your mom makes, your aunt makes that she only brings twice a year, you know, and you're gonna get it this weekend. Whatever it is that pops into your mind, you don't have to go through 15 things, just one or two things. I want you to take that, that, um, that option a step further. I want you to go one step further and like really feel into it. So if you're thinking about that person that you love as in your list of gratitude, um, things that you're grateful for, I want you to think about that person until you can feel them. You know, you can feel them next to you. You can smell them you know, your body responds as if they're there right next to you. Kind of a cheat if they are actually right next to you, but you know, but like try and think about something that's not within your external environment, a few inches of it that you can just feel that. Or if it's something like food, I mean, I use food quite often because we have, we have, um, you have physiological responses to food. You know, we salivate, we get puppy, we, 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 we maybe spit something out if we don't like it, but but think about something like that that you, you're going to have this this physiological response, and think about until that triggers that physiological response. Now that is powerful. You can take that energy now. Like now, you're feeling what true gratitude is. You're you're really really feeling it. It's it's you are linking your emotional to your physical. You know you've created that like that feed loop within your body, and that's really empowering and not something that you can tap into whenever you're in a stuck place, you know, and that, that empowers you. So, so, and that is really kind of the foundation for gratitude. And once you've mastered gratitude, you are able to shift your mind, no matter what the circumstances are, because you're going to be able to look at a situation. You're going to be able to look at a challenge, at an obstacle, and you'll be able to see the gifts you'll be able to see past that first layer. You'll be able to see like, you. it's almost like you're seeing through the onion, you know, with all the different layers. An onion has thicker layers and it has those really, really thin pieces of membrane. You'll be able to see through all of that once you have that lens on, you know, you have this like this, this lens of gratitude and grace and you'll be able to see so far past what's front facing you. So that's why, you know, I think it's Tony Robbins that said it, but like every challenge is truly a gift you know, and there's, um, there's opportunities and obstacles. And I don't remember who said that. I don't think I made that up. But, you know, it's just that it, it uh, obstacles are almost, you know, hidden opportunities. And that's whether or not it's an opportunity for yourself or for others. I think what helps me always circle back is 
how I can use what's happening right now, how I can use this to serve someone else. So that means I've got to learn something here. That means this isn't just happening. This isn't bad luck. This isn't just something bad happening. There's a lesson here. And if I look at this with those lenses on it, if I look at it and think, okay, there's something here for me to learn and I'm gonna take that learning, I'm gonna take that lesson, I'm gonna teach it and share it to, to someone else. And that becomes an act of service. It will all reveal itself. Literally all of those things just rise to the surface. You don't even have to dig for it. So good, so good. I love that because, um, you know, and this is, I think the power of uh, visualization for a meditation yeah. practice, because like you mm -hmm. said, put yourself in those shoes again in that moment. And it, it really does make a big difference. But mm -hmm. um, once again, this is going to hit home with so many people. There's, there's two things I often say on this podcast. And one of them is, um, you know, if you stop smelling the roses, you'll stop having roses to smell. So it's kind of mm -hmm. this idea of like, if you don't practice gratitude, you'll stop having reasons to be grateful because you're not going to mm -hmm. achieve as much because gratitude is mm -hmm. fuel. And then a journal practice I recommend to a lot of clients is called positive yes. focus. Mm -hmm. What happened? What's the lesson? Or I'm sorry, what happened? Why is it positive? What's the lesson? How do you apply it to your life? And usually you pick a situation that isn't favorable. If something mm -hmm. happens to you. Okay, mm -hmm. find the positive in it. Find the mm -hmm. lesson in it. Like, how do we apply this? How do we teach this? Very similar to what you said. And it's just yeah. it's so simple, but it's so, so powerful. Um, I could literally keep going on and on and on. Uh, but I have, I have one last question I want to... Uh, yeah. I want to make sure I ask because I had it written down and you've brought it up multiple times and that's uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people will look at your success. They'll hear you speak on this stuff. Um, and then they'll listen to this podcast and they'll hear you mention that it's something that you still deal with. And mm -hmm. I think they'll be shocked. And, you know, once I accepted that the more you grow, the, it, it doesn't take away imposter syndrome. It just changes <laughs> the level of it. Right. Because yes. you're a different imposter. So, um, yes. What do you do to work through that? What recommendation do you have for the people listening? Because I think everybody's going to have that on a different level or a different scale, but regardless, they struggle with it. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, and you guys, I, I'm still actively working on, because as, as you said, you know, it morphs, right? I, I was literally just at a health, con a health summit, maybe it was three weeks ago. It's an invite only. There's maybe 50 or 60 people there. Something that I'd been wanting, you know, I'd see, I saw maybe a year or two ago and thought, oh, I'd love to go to that one day. Um, and they're the top leaders, you know, in, in the health industry and I'm there. And, and I'm there and I'm there and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, how did I get in here? <laughs> you know, what am I doing here? Because that imposter syndrome's things in, as you say at each level as you level up you know you're going to be in an environment where you think you maybe don't belong but that's what you reach for and every time that happens again so something that I do and uh and this might be really useful for your community is I have what I call a self-gratitude journal so you have your gratitude journal that you use, that you write down, as you say, you know, all the things that you're grateful for. And hopefully now you'll take it a step further when you're doing really connect, you know, connect until it's almost like a visceral feeling and really connect to what you're writing down. But I have a separate journal that it's an I'm grateful for me. And so, and so I write down the things that I'm grateful for about myself. And 
It may feel awkward at first if you've never done it. It can still feel awkward even if you do it every other day, you know, but you do it until it doesn't. And what I would say to kickstart you is think about what the person that loves you, the people that love you, your friends that love you, what they would say about you. They might say you're funny, you're beautiful, you're handsome, you're intelligent, you're witty, whatever it is that the people that love you and they know you, what they would say about you, start writing those things down, but with an I am in front of it. So I am witty, I am funny, I am beautiful, I am handsome, I am intelligent, I am an expert in, in nutrition, whatever it is that someone else, so that, that makes it, that kind of breaks the ice. It makes it a little bit easier because you're gonna, your brain is telling you, these aren't your words, these are someone else's words, but you're putting an I am in front of it. And then once you get into the flow, then start writing down these things. This is your private journal. So you don't have to worry about anyone else seeing it, you know, unless you wanted to share it. But then start writing down the things about you that you're proud of. And you just go through and you write this journal. Now, there's so much power. We don't have a lot of time to dive into it now, but I'm sure your audience already, already knows it. But putting pen to paper, because you've talked about the power of journaling. But then now your thoughts are rolling in that direction. You're right. These are highly empowered thoughts. You know, and you're putting pen to paper and there's this, there's the physiology connecting your mind and your emotion to what you're putting down. These are powerful words. That book is what you crack open and look at and read when you're having a bad day, when you're feeling like an imposter, when you're feeling like you need a boost before you go live or before you have to speak or before you have to take that meeting or that interview, that book you know, is what is, that's designed, it's there to remind you about how great you are, why you deserve all the good things that are coming to you, that you have, why you deserve all the abundance um, and all the love. That book is there to remind you because we need those reminders from time to time. So, and, and you don't even have to carry it around on you, with you all the time. Just remember that you have this book because you know what you wrote. They were written by you, you know? And so that also helps imprint the memory of those words in your mind because you're the one writing it. I love that. That's mm-hmm. super helpful. And it's, it's perfect because it's practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick to practical. Practical, practical yeah. sustainable. Otherwise you can't, you're not going to do it. Exactly. And even if you do it, it won't last long. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend everybody grab like a pocket journal because if you're, if you have a purse, you can put it in there. If yeah. you're, I have my backpack every day I go to work or I keep one in my trucks. If I have an idea, but then you have it close. And I think that's yeah. it's super helpful for that. But um, Serena, this is amazing. Uh, you crushed this podcast. There was just so much value inside of it. I'm really excited to, to release this one. Um, I want to give you a quick minute to tell us where to find your content, where to find your products, what people should be looking for, all that kind of good stuff. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so Just Add Water has its own site and all their own socials. It's all under Just Add Water Inc. But you can find everything about Just Add Water under my personal brand. So at serenaloves.com, you literally find everything that I do. Although our site is not the most updated yet, but you can go there and find all the things. Um, You can also find me on social. So I'm just Chef Serena Poon on pretty much everything. I think except for Clubhouse, I'm Serena Poon. But on Instagram, which is where I'm most active, and Facebook, Twitter, all of that, I'm Chef Serena Poon. And yeah, I think it's the same for YouTube as well. YouTube and the podcast is Serena Loves. So between the site and Instagram, you'll pretty much link over to just about everything. And you'll find out about the exciting things that we're launching uh, very, very soon. And just um, and some of the great guests that we have on. And hopefully you'll come on. We'll have you as one of them. We'll have to figure it out. I would yeah. love to. 
Um, well, again, thank you for coming online first and foremost, and I'm going to link all that stuff in the show notes, guys. So if you want to click and check any of those out, get her products, I highly recommend you check out her content, give her a follow. All that will be in the description. Uh, and once again, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Oh,